title of tonight's lesson is If. If. If is a very small word. It's only two letters. But the word itself is an extremely large word. It's a very large word in the sense that it is a word that can control our lives and certainly control our minds. It's a word that all of us have used one time and another in our life, and oftentimes it's used in a way that is really not good for us. For example, if I hadn't done that, if I did that, if I was born in a different place, if I had only gotten that job, if this hadn't happened to me, if I didn't meet that person, if I had left on time, if I had gotten the money when I needed the money. And I think you see the point that I'm making. As we go through this life, there are certain things that happen to us. Sometimes those things are good, sometimes those things are bad, but oftentimes as we think about those circumstances in life, especially those that are bad, we often ask the question or make the statement, if, if only. And we use that something that we fall back on and, and, and use it as a way of either discouraging ourselves or, or beating ourselves down. The passage that was read for us by Scott a few moments ago is a passage that's very well known to all of us, Uh, a passage that you've heard so many times you can probably quote it. um, But the problem is we've heard this passage so many times that it maybe has become a little trite for us. But Romans 8, 28 still says what it says. For I know that before we know that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord, to them are called according to his purpose. Now notice what the text says. It says, for we know. The writer doesn't say this is something that we think we may know or maybe that we can assume, but it's stated in such a way that this is a fact. There can be no doubting here that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, as I said, we've heard that passage so many times that that we maybe really hadn't reflected upon it, or maybe we've heard so many times we don't believe that it's true. But God being who he is and God being our creator and through his son, the sustainer of this world and the one who holds our ultimate destination, we who love God need to believe without a doubt that we know that all things work together for good. But here is the problem with the verse, and here is the reason why we sometimes may quote it, may even think about it in certain circumstances, but we have a hard time really believing it. The reason why we have a hard time really believing it is because of the fact that sometimes we cannot see where the good has come out of it. And the reason why we cannot see the good that comes out of it is because perhaps not enough time has passed for us to understand the ramifications of what happened and how that God was able to use those circumstances for our good. In fact, in some situations, it may not be until eternity till we discover it. But yet, because of that reason, we sometimes really don't understand and appreciate the value of Romans 8 and verse 28. But the way Romans 8, 28 works is not through a miraculous way, but works through a providential way. And that's how this particular verse works. Providence is something that is hard to define. It's something that is hard to see. 
And sometimes we cannot truly say that this was providential because we don't know for sure. And oftentimes something that is providential we really didn't know because we couldn't see it. But I thought tonight to help illustrate Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 that we go back to the Old Testament. We go back to the book of Genesis and we think for a few moments about the life of a young man named Joseph. Uh, Scott Slauson has been doing, doing a wonderful job on Sunday morning teaching us the book of Genesis. And the purpose of this lesson tonight is not to steal any of his thunder, but instead to simply whet your appetite for that section of Scripture when we get to it. The story of Joseph begins over in Genesis chapter 37. And let me give you a little brief synopsis of his life. And I want you to think about the things that happened to Joseph for just a moment. When Joseph was a very young man, because of some dreams that he told his brothers, and there's some discussion about whether or not he should have told these dreams or whether or not he should have kept these dreams to himself. But because of the dreams that he told his brothers, um, some jealousy developed. Uh, they started thinking about that Joseph was perhaps too big for his britches or thought too much of himself. And because of this, their hatred for him and their jealousy of him got to the point that they finally sold him to a group of Midianite slave traders who were coming through the land. Now keep in mind, they had originally planned to kill him. They had thrown him into a pit, and it so happens that this, these slave traders came by, and they were sold, and Joseph was sold to these particular slave traders. Now I want you to think about Joseph's circumstances for a moment. I want you to think about if you can put yourself in his position at this point in time. Think about the fact that he went out to see his brothers on this particular occasion. And because of their hatred for him, now think about it, these were his brothers. This was his kin, his, his brethren. Because of their hatred for him, they decided they were going to kill him. Because of Reuben interceding, they ended up selling him to slave traders. But once again, think about this for a moment. Think about the thoughts that Joseph had and the Bible doesn't tell us how he was transported, if he walked, if he was put upon a camel, a camel or if, if he, how he was treated in this particular circumstance. But his own brethren exchanged him for a certain amount of, of money and sent him on his way with the expectation they would never, ever see him again. Now, once again, think about what was going through Joseph's mind. Oh, if I had only not told that dream. Oh, if I had only been nicer to my brothers. Oh, if I had only not gone out to see them on this particular occasion. Maybe if I would waited, something else would have been different. Oh, if only those slave traders hadn't come by. But still think about his circumstances. They were very, very dire circumstances. Well, the Midianites finally arrived in the land of Egypt. And there they sold Joseph as a slave in the land of Egypt. But once again, think about Joseph's predicament. He is hundreds and hundreds of miles away from home. As far as he'll know, he'll never see his family again. He is a stranger living in a strange land. He probably doesn't know the language. He doesn't know the culture. All he knows is that he is a slave. But after he's been there for a little while, he sold to a guy by the name of Potiphar. And Joseph, having the character of, of personality and morals that he had, Potiphar realized that this was a very special young man. 
And I can imagine as uh, Potiphar watched him work and Joseph realized that he was recognizing his ability and his character and whatnot, uh, Joseph was starting to feel pretty good about things. And then lo and behold, Potiphar comes to him one day and he says, you are such a good servant that I'm going to make you the head of my household. I'm going to give you some responsibility. I'm going to give you some freedom that no other servant in my house has. And I'm sure at this time Joseph was feeling pretty good about himself. But then, as we're going to discover as we move through the book of Genesis, uh, there was the situation with Potiphar's wife and how that she falsely accused him of rape. And once again, think about Joseph for a moment and think about the fact that um, this was so unfair. He was not guilty. He didn't do anything wrong. He was trying to do the best he could in Potiphar's house. He was loyal. He was trying to take care of the things that needed to be taken care of. He was a hard-working man with good character, just trying to please his master. And lo and behold, someone falsely accused him. In the world today, we understand how that somebody can very easily falsely accuse someone. And even oftentimes after the evidence comes out that this person is not guilty of anything at all, but just because the accusation has been made, that's going to haunt that person for the rest of their lives. Well, here we have a situation where Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph falsely of rape. And Joseph probably thought, man, I had it made, I had a good job, I had a good situation, I had the trust of the employer, but now all of that is gone. It's gone. I'm ruined. What is going to happen to me now? Now, as we were talking, I think Wednesday night in the class that I was teaching, that I believe that Potiphar realized that Joseph wasn't guilty of this particular crime because normally when someone is guilty of such a crime, they were put to death. But Potiphar simply sent Joseph to prison. But once again, try to think about the situation now that Joseph finds himself in. Think about maybe perhaps what you would be thinking about as you're sitting in that prison cell and you begin to reflect upon your life and you start retracing the steps that took place from the time that you were your father's favorite son to being sold into slavery, being in a strange land, finally thinking things were going to get better because of the fact that you ended up in Potiphar's house. Yes, you were still a slave. You still were far away from home, but, but you felt like you were doing some good with life. You felt like maybe you, that things were going to be okay. But then someone lies about you. This is not even thing that you did. This is not something that you caused this to happen, but yet it still happened, and now you find yourself in prison. Think about that for a few moments. If we were listening to this story and did not know everything about Joseph, we would think, but this is a sad, sad, sad situation. I would not want this man's life for nothing. Everything seems to keep going wrong and wrong and wrong. Well, let's think about that idea of the word if for a moment. And we want to take the word if, and we want to take Romans 8.28, and we want to take the life of Joseph. And I want you to notice how you blend them all together. What begins to take shape 
And as we think about what begins to take shape, we have a better understanding of what Romans 8.28 really means. Let me put it to you this way. If Joseph's brothers had never sold him to the Midianites, then Joseph never goes to Egypt. If Joseph never goes to Egypt, he is never sold to Potiphar. If Joseph is never sold to Potiphar, then there's no way in the world that Potiphar's wife could ever falsely accuse him of rape. If Potiphar's wife had never falsely accused him of rape, then Joseph would have never gone to prison. If Joseph had never gone to prison, he never would have met the baker and the butler of Pharaoh. And if Joseph had never met the baker and butler of Pharaoh, he would have never, ever had the opportunity to interpret their dreams. And if he never had the opportunity to interpret their dreams, he would never get the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And if he never interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, then he never would have been made prime minister of Egypt. And if he had never been made prime minister of Egypt, he never would have had the opportunity to be the very wise administrator concerning the famine that was coming up that would save Egypt because of his wise counsel. And if he never had the opportunity to be the wise administrator because of the upcoming famine, then his family back in Canaan would have all died. And if his family back in Canaan had all died because of the famine, then the Messiah can't come forth from a dead family. And if a Messiah can't come forth because it's a dead family, then that means that Jesus never came. And if Jesus never came, you are dead in your sins and without hope in this world. You see how Romans 8 and verse 28 works? Think about the number of years that transpired from the time that Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers and the fact that eventually his brothers would appear for him once again. And this time he has the opportunity to help them to give them life and to give them the opportunity to change their lives once and for all. Now, Joseph was a faith, faithful man that believed in God and, and believed in the providence of God. And the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about Joseph and how he dealt with the situations that he was in other than he remained faithful. But you have to appreciate the fact, because Joseph was a man like we are humans, that there had to be times in his life where he asked the question, well, why is this happening to me? Why am I being treated this way? Why am I in prison? But little did he know at the time that all things were going to work out for good. You see, it was through God's providence. God knew because he knows, knows all things. And because he is at every place at every time, he knew that the time was coming when there was going to be a famine and how that the lineage of Abraham that God had promised through which all nations were going to be blessed, how that the Messiah would come through this particular family, how that God knew for the perseverance of this family when this famine came, he was going to make sure that there was the right man in the right place at the right time, and this man's name was Joseph. But notice this didn't happen all clean and simple. Instead, 
there were some things that happened in a young man's life that were very, very discouraging. There were some things that happened in his life that perhaps he never understood at the time. But eventually, as Paul Harvey used to say, and the rest of the story is this, all things did work out for the good. Why? Because Joseph loved God. And so our admonition to you tonight is this. Sometimes things happen in our lives and and we can't see the good in it whatsoever. Why does a certain person have a terrible illness that fall upon them? Why is it that um, some financial catastrophe hits a family? Uh, Where is the good in some of the things that happen to people? Why does this happen to me or why does this happen to someone else? And we try to rack our brain and say, I don't see any good that's ever going to come out of this. Well, that's when we need to simply, like Joseph, keep our faith in God. And we may not be able to see it in one year. We may not be able to see it in five years. may not be able to see it until we reach the shores of eternity. But as the writer of Hebrews says, he says, For we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. We need to believe that with all our hearts and not lose uh, faith, but instead keep our faith as solid as a rock. Perhaps the next time when you get discouraged and you're trying to see the reason behind everything that is happening, be reminded of a young boy by the name of Joseph who started out his life in an awful, awful way, but God had a grand purpose in it that still even affects each and every one of us today. Because of the fact of what happened to Joseph, because he was able to preserve his own family, you and I can spend eternity in heaven today because it was through his family that Jesus Christ came into this world. And Jesus Christ came into this world and and died on the cross to save us from our sins. Once again, when I think about the fact that those who stood around the cross and saw this innocent man being put to death, falsely accused, hung between two guilty parties, how they might have thought in their minds, how in the world is this a good thing? How in the world is this something that's going to accomplish anything? His own disciples went back to life as usual, went back to fishing and doing the other things, so they thought it was all over. But once again, the words of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, For we know that all things work together for good. Because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, we can spend eternity in heaven. And so as we close this lesson this evening, I want you to think about the fact of whether or not you are a Christian. If you're not, we want to extend to you this invitation that you, because of your faith, be willing to repent and confess your sins before God and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and then be buried in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of your sins. But I understand and appreciate that the majority here tonight are Christians. And I hope we'll leave here tonight once again knowing without a doubt that all things work together for good to them that love God. If you have a need, won't you come as together we stand and sing.